Welcome back to The Daily Poem. I'm David Kern, and today is Tuesday, April 26th, 2022. Today's poem is by Louise Gluck, a American poet and essayist who won the 2020 Nobel Prize in Literature. She was born on April 22nd of 1943, so her birthday was just a few days ago, so it seems only right to share a poem by her. She's won the Pulitzer Prize, the National Humanities Medal, the National Book Award, the National Book Critics Circle Award, and the Bollingen Prize. She was also the Poet Laureate of the United States. All of that to go along with that Nobel Prize. So you can see that she's one of the most revered and most notable American writers of the last 100 years. The poem that I'm going to read today is called Averno. It's pretty long, so I'm not going to be able to offer any comments. If it's too long, you know what? Feel free to just I don't know, turn this podcast off. But this was originally published in the May 2005 issue of Poetry Magazine and then was published in uh, one of her collections as well. Now, what I want to say is that this poem begins, it's, it's five parts, but it begins with this uh, before part one. Averno, ancient name Avernus, a small crater lake 10 miles west of Naples, Italy, regarded by the ancient Romans as the entrance to the underworld. One, you die when your spirit dies, otherwise you live. You may not do a good job of it, but you go on, something you have no choice about. When I tell this to my children, they pay no attention. The old people, they think. This is what they always do, talk about things no one can see to cover up all the brain cells they're losing. They wink at each other. Listen to the old one, talking about the spirit because he can't remember any more of the word for chair. It's terrible to be alone. I don't mean to live alone, to be alone, where no one hears you. I remember the word for chair, I want to say. I'm just not interested anymore. I wake up thinking, you have to prepare. Soon the spirit will give up. All the chairs in the world won't help you. I know what they say when I'm out of the room. Should I be seeing someone? Should I be taking one of the new drugs for depression? I can hear them in whispers planning how to divide the cost. And I want to scream out, you're all of you living in a dream. Bad enough, they think, to watch me falling apart. Bad enough without this lecturing they get these days as though I had any right to this new information. Well, they have the same right. They're living in a dream, and I'm preparing to be a ghost. I want to shout out, the mist has cleared. It's like some new life. You have no stake in the outcome. You know the outcome. Think of it. Sixty years sitting in chairs, and now the mortal spirit seeking so openly, so fearlessly, to raise the veil, to see what you're saying goodbye to. I didn't go back for a long time. When I saw the field again, autumn was finished. Here it finishes almost before it starts. The old people don't even own summer clothing. The field was covered with snow, immaculate. There wasn't a sign of what happened here. You didn't know whether the farmer had replanted or not. Maybe he gave up and moved away. The police didn't catch the girl. After a while, they said she moved to some other country one where they don't have fields. A disaster like this leaves no mark on the earth. 
And people like that. They think it gives them a fresh start. I stood a long time, staring at nothing. After a bit, I noticed how dark it was, how cold. A long time, I have no idea how long. Once the earth decides to have no memory, time seems in a way meaningless. But not to my children. They're after me to make a will. They're worried the government will take everything. They should come with me sometime to look at this field under the cover of snow. The whole thing is written out there. Nothing. I have nothing to give them. That's the first part. The second is, I don't want to be burned. Three. On one side, the soul wanders. On the other, human beings live in fear. In between, the pit of disappearance. Some young girls ask me if they'll be safe near Averno. They're cold. They want to go south a little while. And one says, like a joke, but not too far south. I say, as safe as anywhere, which makes them happy, which what it means is nothing is safe. You get on a train, you disappear, you write your name on the window, you disappear. There are places like this everywhere, places you enter as a young girl from which you never return, like the field, the one that burned. After world, the girl was gone. Maybe she didn't exist, we have no proof either way. All we know is the field burned. But we saw that. So we have to believe in the girl. In what she did. Otherwise it's just forces we don't understand ruling the earth. The girls are happy, thinking of their vacation. Don't take a train, I say. They write their names in mist on a train window. I want to say, you're good girls, trying to leave your names behind. Four. We spent the whole day sailing the archipelago, the tiny islands that were part of the peninsula, until they'd broken off into the fragments you see now floating in the northern seawater. They seemed safe to me, I think, because no one can live there. Later, we sat in the kitchen, watching the evening start, and then the snow. First one, then the other. We grew silent, hypnotized by the snow, as though a kind of turbulence that had been hidden before was becoming visible. Something within the night exposed now. In our silence, we were asking these questions friends who trust each other ask out of great fatigue, each one hoping the other knows more. And when this isn't so, hoping their shared impressions will amount to insight. Is there any benefit in forcing upon oneself the realization that one must die? Is it possible to miss the opportunity of one's life? Questions like that. The snow heavy. The black night transformed into busy white air. Something we hadn't seen revealed. Only the meaning wasn't revealed. Five. After the first winter, the field began to grow again, but there were no more orderly furrows. The smell of the weed persisted, a kind of random aroma intermixed with various weeds for which no human use has been as yet devised. It was puzzling. No one knew where the farmer had gone. Some people thought he died. Someone said he had a daughter in New Zealand, that he went there to raise grandchildren instead of wheat. Nature, it turns out, isn't like us. It doesn't have a warehouse of memory. 
The field doesn't become afraid of matches of young girls. It doesn't remember furrows either. It gets killed off, it gets burned, and a year later it's alive again as though nothing unusual has occurred. The farmer stares out the window. Maybe in New Zealand. Maybe somewhere else. And he thinks, my life is over. His life expressed itself in that field. He doesn't believe anymore in making anything out of earth. The earth, he thinks, has overpowered me. He remembers the day the field burned. Not, he thinks, by accident. Something deep within him said, I can live with this. I can fight it after a while. The terrible moment was the spring after his work was erased when he understood that the earth didn't know how to mourn, that it would change instead, and then go on existing without him. This has been The Daily Poem, which is produced by Goldberry Studios. Post-production is by Logan Green. I'm David Kern. Happy birthday to Luis Gluck, and thanks so much for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with another poem for you.